Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Kebabs done right and delivered right to you via Uber Eats and Deliveroo. Oh, there was drama. The Premier League returned last night after three months away and don't you just know it, absolutely loaded with controversy. Sheffield United denied the three points against Aston Villa due to an error in goal line technology. The first time that's happened in over 9,000 matches, say those who developed the system. It just had to happen on the first day back, didn't it? No such technical failures in Manchester City versus Arsenal, though, unless you're counting a David Luiz disaster class. Sideshow Bob, they sometimes call him, but has the Brazilian performed his last act in the Premier League after last night's display? Injuries all over the shop, fake crowd noise, unnecessary drinks breaks and a Mancunian thunderstorm. So much to go over on today's Football Social Daily, the only Premier League podcast packed with news and opinion where a new episode is released every single day of the season. Hit subscribe and you'll never miss another episode again. My name's Niall. Alongside me on today's show, we have XS Manchester's Joe McGrath. Hello, Joe. Hello. How are you doing, mate? You okay? I'm very well. It feels a bit weird talking about football properly again, but it's nice. Yeah. It was the build-up. I mean, you couldn't move for it on any news platform. It, it led the front papers. It led the news headlines in radio stations across the world. The build-up was massive to it. Uh, and it sort of it didn't live up to it too much, did it, the first game? It was a, it was an absolute shocker. But it does feel good to be back talking a bit about uh, normality in a way. And I think that's helping a lot of people. I think a damp squib, some people would call it. Anyway, wonder what Alex Boardman has to say uh, about that opening game of the Premier League restart. Hello, Alex. How are you, mate? I'm good, Niall. Thank you very much. Hello, Joe. Well, I'm in a slightly <laughs> different boat to both of you in the fact that I was looking forward to it a couple of days ago, two, three days ago. And then as as it sort of got to midday yesterday and I was thinking, oh, how am I going to watch it? Which are the free games that are on? Uh, if nothing else, when are the highlights on? And um, there was absolutely nothing. So before it had even kicked off, I was like, because I've had to get rid of Sky, I've had to get rid of BT because mm. obviously my job's gone. And um, I was a bit like, well, you know, it's a welcome distraction and it'll be great. And and I, I was a bit, I was really gutted that firstly there was no way to watch that first game unless you had Sky 
or BT. And then when I tried the old options of listening to the radio, I don't know if anybody remembers that. Um, <laughs> it was, I, I, from everything I gather and everything I've seen afterwards, it looks like a terrible game anyway, Aston Villa, Sheffield United. But on the radio, it was the most bizarre thing ever because there was no noise whatsoever. You couldn't even hear the players shouting. So it was just two people sat in a studio. They might as well. Have you ever seen it on, <laughs> on YouTube when people describe themselves playing FIFA? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like that. It was so That's crazy. It was so terrible. So I think for the worst game possibly to have been the first one to come back, a nil-nil Sheffield United, Aston Villa. I heard it in the worst possible way as well. So overall, really gutted. I was absolutely gutted. <laughs> this is the Premier League, Alex. It doesn't work like that. Football's no. back. How did you? How did you feel when kickoff finally came? As you say, you listened to it on the radio. Well, I didn't. I, I didn't really. I didn't really like it, Alex. To be fair, I thought it no, felt a bit weird. It did. It, it does feel weird in lots of lots of ways. And I was really panicking trying to do that. You know that whole find a link thing that never ever works anyway uh, yeah. and, then, and then so i had the radio on on the tv as a backup and then i was like oh i know it might be on pick so i'm looking at this and thinking oh maybe bbc all that on but it it just sort of went into a nothingness from a little bit of excitement and then i was listening to it on the radio as i say and then that held my attention for less than five minutes because it was so bad and it's almost like, should they have made maybe the Merseyside Derby the first game back or United Tottenham or Arsenal City? Um, I, do, I just wonder if the reason they put Sheffield and Villa this the first game was to test out the tech, you know, the crowd <laughs> noise. Like it's a bit yeah, of a yeah, soft yeah. opening, you know, like the bars will do when it finally... Yeah. But, Those um, two medium-sized clubs won't mind. You know, we'll just test the technology out on them. They've got nothing to play for. Only one well, possibly getting into Europe and one possibly getting relegated. But that's the thing. It is a, it's a massive game for Sheffield United. And then, as you mentioned with the, the Hawker, I, I mean, when you talk... Dean Henderson had a good game from the highlights I've seen and lots of clips on him. And he was my captain in fantasy football. So I always have an eye on that person. And he made some good saves. But apart from him, nobody really distinguished themselves in the game, it looked like, with the exception of the goal that w that wasn't given there was absolutely there was very little to talk about uh, and it felt pre-season to me mm. you know like if, if mm. you watch the pre-season games when there's not not really some of the closed doors ones or, or sometimes you might watch an under 21 game and it's it's just done on a training ground yeah and with that you can actually get into it because you you if the game's good you can sort of get with the rhythm of the game and i'll watch football anyway i watch football walking through a park and just you know any two teams that play mm. you always watch for three or four minutes but there was none of that either there was no like good rhythm to the play and i wonder if it was just tiredness on the player's part or lack yeah. of something i don't know i've got a lot of uh well i'll say a lot i've got a handful of friends who've been lucky to play in um do you know, in the media or someone they get invited to a charity football game and they mm. play on like the the grounds of like old trafford or st james's park was one of them I can't see much of a difference from last night's showing to uh, some highlights that some of my friends have shown me about of one touch they got Old Trafford in a little charity football game they gave me. The atmosphere was just as dead because no one was there. The football was just as bad because they were just sort of slowly getting back into the rhythm. Injuries galore as well for Arsenal, which you got me scratching your head and think, you know, the substitutes that we're allowed, oh, we get five, but still, you, they've not got a very good squad, Arsenal. No. So you're replacing your best squad with a really poor uh, people that you've got in reserve. A lot of people were mentioning yesterday City's bench, which was made up of nine players, 
could have actually beaten Arsenal's 11. And I really, <laughs> you look at that bench as well, you think that is a strong, strong team. So it's kind of brought back with a, not as big as a bang you would have thought of. I would have loved to see if the Premier League got their... In a way, if got their way, if every single game had been played, so there was no games sort of left to catch up on, what mm. the Premier League would have would have chosen as the next game to bring it back with a bang, if you get me. Yeah. Uh, maybe we've got a sort of look at that one with Friday's fixtures and United being played, mm. but um, United playing, but. You know, it's it's happening. It's back. We've got loads to talk about yeah. um, because you know the the season has to end and it will end. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point about which game they put first because I suppose if it's technically a continuation of the suspended season, you need to put the first fixture of the restart as what would have been the next fixture normally back in March, I suppose. But it's mm-hmm. been such a long break. I guess it doesn't really make much of a difference. And talking about rhythm. Alex, you mentioned it a moment ago about the rhythm of the game. What do we think of these, well, I'm going to call them stupid, drinks breaks? I mean, it's the middle of June, I know, but it was 15 degrees last night in Manchester. Do we yeah, really, do we really need these down. elite players to be taking drinks every two seconds? Again, I wonder if this is to do with the, the break that they've had and the fact that when they'd come back to do a pre-season, they'd normally do sort of a month a month or five weeks of training and they've probably only been allowed to do two or three haven't they since they've been doing the full contact stuff and maybe it's been agreed with the with all the clubs or something it does i i agree i don't think it's necessary however it's just another minor thing that the, the big one is not having a crowd there it, it, it's just it's it's amazing how much difference it makes and whether it's the support you get from the home team or whether it's just the needle from the away fans and you know when a goal was scored last night in the City game City were very good by the way as well but every little thing that happened whoever's doing the sky whoever's in charge of pressing the button is just a second late so it's kind of like a glitch in, in the early FIFA games where you'd sort of shoot and the goalie saved it but you think it's gone in and then a second later you hear the crowd go oh so it, it just I mean it was it also was better with that crowd noise it, they've tried and it, it, it's largely better but there's no singing there's no you know the humour that goes on between fans where you're just kind of um, like let's be honest just nasty to each other it's it's missing and it raised such a huge part who knew what a big part of the game it was but when you're watching it on TV but it is massive the fact that everything was supposed to run smoothly and everything was kind of so forensically done in terms of making sure everything was disinfected and ready to start mm. safely. Then we have this technology shambles, Joe, in Aston Villa versus <laughs> yeah, Sheffield what United. crazy. Where Orion Norland <sighs> drops the ball over his goal line. I think everyone watching, everyone in the stands, all 300 people that were there, the journalists and whatnot, everyone even on Twitter watching dodgy clips back on social media could see that the ball was in the back of the net the only person mm. that couldn't was the referee who's relying on the technology to work that's the first time goal line technology's failed in over 9,000 matches say Hawkeye who are the company that own the technology how typical yeah. is it that the first game back when everything's supposed to run smoothly there's an absolute howler with the technology the howler with the technology was just embarrassing and it was just embarrassing because not only did that technology okay it didn't work but there was no backup plan to say that when that technology doesn't work let's check the camera angles that we actually have filming the ball and the net because VAR could have easily had a look at that and it's bizarre that the, the obviously VAR leave sort of Hawkeye to do their thing 
think. Why is there no plan B though? Because someone in Hawkeye could have could have made the clear that the technology was broke or something. Something unique has happened. It's not happened in 9,000 games. Can we just maybe overrule us for the time being or let's implement plan B? If the, I don't think there is a plan B, clearly, when it comes to scoreline technology. It's Hawkeye or nothing. Let's implement plan B because clearly something's happened here. Let's take a look at these hundred, well, about seven or eight different camera angles we've got to clearly show the ball on the back of the line. And let's do the right thing and give uh, the goal. If anything happens down the line um, with just a couple of points here and there, survival... It, it really is going to look back at that moment and go, okay, there is bigger things at play here because you know if a team gets relegated from the Premier League because of one this mistake, it could really cost Hawkeye dearly, um, and it is a great system um, mm. because it's one of the clearest systems. And I actually like Hawkeye mm. because you look at what you know, you give your thumbs up and you crack on, like VAR, which is different. So I'm just a bit, I'm just a bit. Um, scratch my head about why there was clearly no plan B to, mm. to say that you know Hawkeye's broke uh, it's never happened before yeah. let's implement plan B let's have a look at VAR mm. it's, just like, it's like VAR was like let's just Hawkeye let's let's see Hawkeye let's ruin them because we're no good either so let's just see how bad these <laughs> yeah. can be they're supposed to work in synergy though aren't they Alex it's supposed to be you know yeah. the technology and the referees they're all supposed to be part of a team and work together now the fact That's that the ball really was technically point, yeah. still in play because even though the goal line technology didn't work, the referee didn't make a decision and didn't blow his whistle. So the ball was technically still in play. So as per the rules, the referee could have turned to VAR and said, can you just check that for me, lads? But it just seemed that everyone was still kind of in lockdown sleep mode. Well, possibly. So also, I wonder if two years ago, if because Oliver's the best referee in the league, without a doubt. Now, two years ago, I think he would have been refereeing slightly differently. He'd have been looking for it more, and he would have seen it because it was it was quite obvious. And I just think maybe because of because of the technology, and you saw him instantly in the replays. He's pointing at his watch and saying, "Look, it's not gone off. It's not gone off." But it, it was such a, a clear mistake. And I wonder if his positioning would have been different two years ago if he would just given that goal, and and the linesman's positioning would have been different because they would have also. Uh, had to be to be looking for it, whereas now it's like the the tech has changed the way that they play the game, the way that they referee the game. So there were, there was no there wouldn't have been any need for that two years ago. That would have been given as a goal. Mm. It wasn't like the the Aston Villa one with um, the United the Northern Irish keeper and they scored in the oh, like, from the halfway line. That was against Tottenham, yeah, was yeah, it with yeah. Roy Carroll? Oh yeah, it, Tottenham. It Tottenham. Yeah, Roy Carroll. That's right. And that was clearly over, but the referee was half a pitch away. So you could forgive him. Um, this one, he was the refs just sort of on the edge of the box. So we would have definitely been there to have seen that. But um, I mean, it, it's good for one point of view in the fact it's mm. given us a talking point in that game. And yeah. secondly, it could be huge because Sheffield United are, are now still a, a point behind United, Manchester United, mm. uh, going for the Champions League spot because City are not going to be in it. And they could miss out on Champions League. City are not going to be in it. Well, they're not, are they? We, we would have I, I know, I know. It's just funny, isn't it? Because yeah. I know you probably know more of this than me, so I love you making bold statements like that. Just sort of <laughs> rubbing it in it. It's rubbing not them bold. In it. It's factually correct it's not, at this moment in it, time. At the minute, it is, yeah. There's an appeal yeah, ongoing, isn't there? But it yeah. doesn't appear like that appeal will be met favourably for City. Um, and I'm not. 
I'm not happy about that. Obviously, I would have been. Oh goodness me! Oh, we think it's good to be back here on Football it's Social Daily. That's for back. sure. The needle's begun again. That means the football <laughs> is back. As you mentioned, you know, we've seen incidents like that where technology's failed in the past and unfortunately for Sheffield United, they're going to go down in a rather unwanted history book. But I don't know if either of you two remember, last season in the Championship, one of the Aston Villa players was down injured in a game against Leeds. Now, Leeds decided they weren't going to take any notice of that and they decided to carry on playing and they went on and scored a goal. Now, the whole of Ellen Road absolutely erupted and the Aston Villa players were absolutely incensed. They were furious. They were grabbing Leeds players all over the place. And in the end, uh, Marcelo Bielsa, the Leeds manager, encouraged his side to let Aston Villa score a goal uncontested. Basically, for want of a better term, conceding a goal without trying. Now, we didn't see any of that from Aston Villa last night, Alex. We didn't see any of that at all. We didn't see none of that. And to be perfectly honest, I thought that was rather interesting because last season, Aston Villa were fighting for promotion and so were Leeds. And Leeds, in the end, didn't get promoted to the Premier League. Aston Villa did. We didn't see any of that last night from Villa. Oh, that was a clear goal. Why don't we go and let you score one? Mm -hmm. Uh, Thought that was a bit interesting. No, I thought that I think those circumstances are very different as well because some of the uh, players had stopped playing in the Leeds Villa incident. So, and also there's the whole sportsmanship uh, issue of that, which I think Bielsa did the right thing. Uh, I seem to remember one of the Leeds centre halves tried to tackle everybody and wouldn't let it happen. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think last night was just a sort of error. So that's like being given a throw-in that you you know that you shouldn't have had. You just take it, don't you, or, or a corner or something. It was really funny. Jack Grealish after the game was absolutely laughing his head off about it. Um, so, so they were. It was kind of like I don't know. Maybe it's because of the crowd being not being there. It feels like the the stakes are different, or maybe I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe he, he, he was just like you know we we got away with it well done mm. well done us mm. so it's, it's not the same for Villa I don't think they're in the same situation as Sheffield United are they where they you know it's, it's catastrophic for them um, if, if Sheffield United miss out on Champions League though oh that would be so bad for them wouldn't it because it's things like that that change them from where they are a really great solid club to potentially getting a couple of great players in yeah. and going yeah. you know can they push to break into the top Mm. four or five which is with the exception of Liverpool maybe City has never been more fragile it would appear well you'll be pleased to know Alex that Sheffield United against Manchester United which some people are calling the fifth place playoff is a free to air game it's one of the handful of games that's been selected to be free to air so that'll be fascinating to see who comes out on top in the battle of the two Uniteds right time for a quick break here on Football Social Daily but afterwards we'll be talking about David Luiz's horror display for Arsenal he's only got 14 days left on his Gunners contract is that the end of his stay in the Premier League we'll have more for you after this Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Fancy something different for tea? Get takeaway delivery now via Deliveroo and Uber Eats. 
Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. We are the only daily Premier League podcast out there. Every single day of the football season from now until the season's end, we'll be producing a brand new podcast for you. So hit the subscribe button and you'll be notified as soon as a new episode is released. Now, Joe, I wanted to talk about some of the injuries that we saw last night because we saw injuries several times in both matches, both Aston Villa versus Sheffield United, but more so in Arsenal against Manchester City at the Etihad. Xhaka and Eric Garcia of Arsenal and City respectively both had to leave on stretchers. We saw Arsenal need to make two substitutions early on. Sad to see. I mean, you never like to see players going down with injuries, but let alone two going off on a stretcher. Xhaka's looked to be a muscle injury, but the one to Man City's Eric Garcia, where he was absolutely poleaxed by Edison, who came flying out to try and punch a ball on the edge of his box, flattened the 19-year-old. That looked really nasty. Yeah, there's some really nasty stuff uh, for I mean, especially for Garcia, it was quite uh, an intense moment, and um, I, I, you know that was one of those things. I think you don't you don't train for that. You do wonder with the footballers at home in lockdown. There was a lot of interviews flying around about them all having these personalised uh, routines and those personalised way of working. If it's going for to the gym or running or just being playing a bit of football in the back garden whatever they were given they were given these sort of ways of keeping fit that then doesn't put into play contact sport or you know the, the sort of roughness of a game of football being in each other's faces getting tackled you know sort of uh, fighting for the ball back you can't do that with your four year old kid that you might have in the back garden I mean you can two foot him if you want but you know it's not going to be the same as a as a grown man doing it to you so that might have been a reality check I know contact training has been um, getting back to normal in the training grounds but has it been like there's a sort of the intensity of what is like to play week in week out real rival football where you get the kick here you'll get a punch there. a punch that's a bit too far you get an elbow there you sort of you, know, you get a headlock you know um, Stone Cold Stunner yeah yeah Cantonal. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Um, so there's, lo- there's, so you do wonder does that have, a, does that sort of bring into it that sort of Arsenal players? Maybe I haven't done the right thing in training, and that sort of has bit them in the backside a bit because the injuries have come to, uh, you would say more Arsenal players uh, and the Garcia injury. I, I can't, don't know if we've got an update on it yet, but he, he's quite a big player for City, um, and I thought he did really, really well up to the injury. So I think other clubs should look at that, and if there's a bit of training going on today or training before a match, let's get a bit rougher in the training. Let's get a bit more intense. Let's go in for tackles a bit harder because the other mm. opposition are, get ready for that. We don't want you on the on the floor. We don't want you injured. We don't want you, you know, being out for a couple of months. And I'm worried about United because uh, United fans, so is Alex. And we've got a lot of players who we've not seen for a while. Rashford, Pogba, all coming back mm-hmm. into the side fit. You know, and Pogba's a big target. Rashford will be a bigger target uh, t- uh, on Friday. Uh, I'm sure Josie will, will tell some of his players to stick it on him quite mm. uh, early. So let's hope that they're ready for it and let's hope that we don't see this Arsenal take two for for my side tomorrow. Recent research showed that there was a 25% greater chance that players would pick up injuries in these opening fixtures. And with such a long break, it's the same at the start of a season. I mean, we saw it with Man City's Leroy Sane in the Community Shield, first real competitive game of the season against Liverpool back in August. And he's busted his ACL and he hasn't played a game for the entire season. So it does tend to happen at the start of new campaigns. And this pretty much is, Alex, the start of a new season in in a way. Yes, well, yes, the start of a weird little pre-season mini-tournament 
because obviously the league everybody knows who's going to win the league so it's more like the relegations the only area where there's much excitement possibly the champions league places i wonder if the crowd again just to go back to it plays a part in these in these injuries just purely from the psychology of the of the players because I'd imagine once you start running on fumes, which is normally about 60 minutes in the early sort of friendlies, and it looked like that yesterday, that players looked tired. Arsenal players looked, looked tired anyway. The City players didn't look so bad. You get to about 60, 65 minutes, and then you're hoping for your second win to kick in. With the fact that there's no adrenaline coming from the, you know, coming from the crowd or a tackle that spikes the crowd and, and gives you that, oh, mm. he's, just, he's just done one of our players. We'll have to do him... We'll have to get him back, or or vice versa. You, you, I remember the Manchester derby, the last game before the break. A couple of tackles, especially from someone like McTominay, flew in. United were already winning one nil, but as they were starting to flag, the crowd just raises again, and it it, it has the um, it sort of makes the opposition go, oh my god, we're really up against it. But it also rises up the the home fans. Now, without any of that, I wonder if that's another sort of factor in, in getting the injuries is it they, they maybe not don't say concentrating the same because it'll just feel mm. like a training game to them I suppose There's the no absence of adrenaline I guess is suppose is what you're yeah. trying to say the absence of, of adrenaline I guess kind of makes your muscles do different things I suppose when that's missing I think so or at of... least it keeps your brain sharp so that you, if someone's coming in to tackle you or you, you, you're ready for it mentally and I wonder if they're just a bit maybe it's a good thing maybe we'll see some exceptional skill and some goals that you'd see on the training pitch that you wouldn't normally see in a game because players somebody like Pogba classic example will try things that are audacious and if they don't come off there's no one to get on his back mm. so maybe it'll be great for the flair players mm. but um, I just wonder if that's another contributing factor I don't think the lack of a crowd can be an excuse for David Luiz, though, Joe, because he had an absolute stinker for Arsenal. He wasn't even supposed to start. Mikel Arteta said before the game that, you know, he's made his mind up after situations that have taken place at Arsenal behind the scenes for the last two months. He's decided that David Luiz probably wasn't in the right frame of mind to start the game. And then he had two injuries in the first 10 minutes and David Luiz had to be brought on as a sub. And uh, basically his first touch was a, a miscontrol, which allowed Raheem Sterling to give City the lead. And then shortly after halftime, he gives away a penalty and gets sent off. He's had an absolute shocker. He has. And um, I, I, you just wonder, you know, he's out of contract to the 30th of June for Arsenal. Um, so... You know, if obviously he'll be gone then, and I don't think Arteta would would fancy fancy keeping him around unless he does something training that might might seen as being quite good for any of the younger players coming through. But I hardly doubt it. So that probably be the end of his career, uh, for his Arsenal career. Sorry, last night. So then, what happens then? Does he does he retire? He's thirty three. Does he move down a couple of leagues, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe a league or two, the championship? He could make some money there, or does he become more of a uh, a, a sort of let's move to see if China want me, see if America want me, that kind of vibe. Whatever he does, I think the Premier League, um, what you might call a top club, 
the Arsenal's, the Tottenham's, the United's, them sort of like top half table clubs. I don't think many will touch him after that. Is he finished in the Premier League NBA. entirely though, Joe? Do you think that that is his Premier League career done, regardless of whether it's a relegation fighting team, mid-table or top six? I've, maybe the relegation sides would look at him. Maybe some aside, maybe that are moving into the uh, into the Premier League next year. You know, the people, the, the, the championship clubs that get promoted. Maybe they'll look at him and maybe they'll see his expertise uh, is sort of CV in a way. He's got a good CV, mm. but it's slowly been come crashing down around him on it uh, over the uh, last uh, year so they might think let's get a Premier League uh, centre-back in, uh, uh, an experienced Premier League centre-back not saying he's had good experience uh, into our uh, back four and let's see uh, let's see what he can do but I still think that no one in the sort of top half table will, will touch him he's always had a mistake in him Alex hasn't he and mm. I think that's what's kind he of been his downfall been. so you know do you think that's the end of David Luiz's well, stay in the Premier League I just wonder from the fact that, again, Arsenal picked up a couple of defensive injuries last night. Um, Louise is banned for two games, so he would he won't be able to play before that contract is up. But he is a player that's still registered with Arsenal. We've got these games will start to come thick and fast, and he is experienced. He might be popular in the dressing room. I just wonder if they'll keep him till the end of the season, and I don't know exactly how they do that. If they give him like a sort of pay you when we play your contract or whether they'll try and give him a three-month contract just because it's very exceptional circumstances mm. i'm sure his agent knowing well don't know what he's like of course but i'd imagine that somebody like him you know been in world cups brazilian played for big big sides has won things would kind of go look out i want a full year or a year and a half contract or else i'm not mm. bothering i just wonder if arsenal will be our sort of forced to, mm. to keep him till the end of the season just because of these unique and bizarre circumstances and they wonder what happens with Ozil because he was omitted last night for supposedly tactical reasons but again his contract's about to expire yeah um and i wonder in these times you don't know him he might I've had a family member that's been ill with it or he might be self-isolating and they've just protected him that way or he mm. might. There's a hundred reasons that we don't know and we've not been given. Mm. Um, but again, it's he is a player that on his day was remarkable but so often didn't really turn it on. But then you look at the Arsenal that played last night and you think, would also have been any worse than anybody else? <laughs> I, I don't think he could have been. I don't think I could have been worse. It was so bad. Yeah. Really poor. I mean, to be fair, I've got to give good credit to Mikel Arteta and to David Luiz for that matter, because he actually came out after the game, did an interview and said, I've got 14 days left on my contract. I want to stay. The coach said that he wants David Luiz to stay. So it seems like that's an upstairs decision at Arsenal. They've got a 12-month option to take up on Luiz's contract. It doesn't look like they're going to exercise the option. So it does look like he's played his last game for Arsenal. But I thought you've got to give respect to a player for coming out, Joe, and admitting that he's made an error, an error which has cost his side three points. Yeah, um, I, I just think that, that was caught up like a cry, wasn't it? A cry for help in a way. You know, I want to come out and play. Mm. You know, you, sort of looking brave in front of the fans. Yeah, and he was brave because uh, it's not. I bet it's not easy to make mistakes like that and then go to the press and and admit it. Uh, I think you know he is. There was once a time where David Luiz, you know, the big moves to PSG and then coming back to Chelsea. I mean, that move to PSG was such a big moment yeah. for a centre back to cost that much money, and you know, it was sort of the biggest sort of centre back move in quite a while. And just, just things haven't worked out, and the mistakes have really shone above 
his career. And I wonder when we look back at David Luiz in 10 years' time, what will we remember from him? Will we remember the the good that he did in terms of winning uh, trophies or will we sort of forget all that and remember him as the, the guy who made sloppy mistakes and sort mm. of finished his career on a lull? And I think it might be uh, the latter. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. We'll have to wait and see what happens uh, with David Luiz and, as Alex mentions, with Meza Urzu as well. Has he said, admitted from the Arsenal squad due to tactical reasons. We know Mikel Arteta is trying to build this young squad. Jamie Carragher really stuck the knife into Luiz last night and said that experience sometimes is the most overrated quality in football. So we do wait with eager anticipation to see what, what happens in the next two weeks with Louise out of contract at that time. Okay, let's uh, move down to the South Coast now. Uh, somewhere I don't really like talking about very much. Uh, we're going to have to mention it. Southampton, their captain, Pierre-Emile Hoybier, was stripped of the captain's armband by the manager, Ralph Hasenhurtle, yesterday because he said he doesn't want to be fighting relegation every season. Now... <laughs> Fair play. Who can blame him? I wouldn't want to be fighting relegation every season. But when you're the captain of a football club who, you know, haven't enjoyed the best campaign, um, that might not have been the smartest thing to say, Alex. No. Well, it's, it's that classic thing of a captain has to be a bit more than the rest of the players. And he's the one that you'd expect some of the younger players in the squad are looking up to. Uh, and if nothing else, the fans kind of go, look, you're representing the manager on the pitch and you're representing us. You, you always want more from your captain. And for your captain to say something as defeatist. And also, it's it's like, look at me, everyone. I want to put myself in the shop window Yeah. Uh, while we've got all these games coming up in a very short period of time. So if anybody wants to buy me, here I am. Uh, and it's just, I mean, I, I often wonder how stupid some footballs are, but that's just, I mean, that's that's next level, um, just antagonising everyone, your teammates, the manager, the, the board and the fans. Luckily, they're not in the ground at the minute to give him stick, but they would because we've seen we've seen that often when, when a player comes out and says something stupid um, just just doesn't make any sense. Why did he do it? Why? Yeah, silly. James Ward-Prowse would be the new Southampton captain, so a little bit of news down there to bring you on the South Coast. He has asked, he's pleaded Pierre-Emile Hoybier to be signed by a Champions League club, says he wants to be playing Champions League and not fighting Premier League relegation every season. Uh, anyway, moving on to Chelsea, where Timo Werner has been a big topic of conversation, Joe, and uh, it just broke. The news broke before we started recording today's Football Social Daily. Chelsea have got their man. Liverpool have been chasing Timo Werner, the striker from RB Leipzig, for absolutely ages he smashed 30 odd goals in 40 odd appearances this season unbelievable record he's got youth on his side a German international smart and lively um, looks like a really good signing this for Chelsea it looks like a great signing when you scratch your head and you think how have they done it how have Chelsea got it I mean Chelsea's prospects next season uh, they're just going to be are they going to be title contenders uh, in a way because that's what you would have thought Werner might have thought signing for Chelsea so there's clearly a dream being sold to him or money has just talked in, a, in in that way if Liverpool really have been chasing him you, you put the two sides together you've got a manager in terms of Klopp who is you know he, he's a winning manager and mm. they've got Champions League history he knows he can win the Champions League and he knows that they are top of the Premier League so if this Werner wants to do something maybe get some trophies under, under his belt you'd say that Liverpool probably would be the ideal move 
move. And also, with, I mean, Liverpool fans go on about how much money they're going to make next year from this new um, Nike deal and, you know, the fact that they probably will be Premier League champions, you know. So, so have they not got the money or did they not just want to spend the money in one player? Is it that sort of philosophy in terms of when we don't know how much Werner's going to be on yeah. um, and it's not going to rock the boat too much in the Liverpool side? It was a lot. Maybe the, the contract is quite hefty, um, but we don't know yet, and that's only speculation. I mean, let's it get it right here, of... Joe. Fifty millions a bargain when you consider fifty like, millions a bargain. Newcastle United paid forty-five for Joel Linton, who scored like three goals this season. The same at West Ham, they paid forty-five for Sebastian Allaire from the same league, the Bundesliga, and he scored four or five goals this season. And you've got Werner, who's forty-nine to fifty-three, somewhere around that mark and he's bagged 30 odd goals this season and I know the clubs are feeling the pinch because of the coronavirus pandemic but I mean even if you're a club like Liverpool that's an absolute no-brainer for me it really is so what's yeah. happened there and something might come out down the line about what has happened there but let's just say this Chelsea have, are now looking very very strong going into next year and it kind of gives over top four sides over top six sides kick up the backside to maybe do some good business in the summer mm. because Chelsea starting at early doors they're set the benchmark <laughs> they're going to go this is where we want to be we want to be back picking up that uh, uh, Premier League trophy um, and hopefully it kind of especially for, for me again the United fan of the gigs gives other clubs a sort of right if that's how strong they're going to be next season we need to be stronger And but I doubt it will Chelsea's doing good business early doors yeah I think it's a good move for, for Werner as well I think he's to be fair I can see I understand why he's not gone to Liverpool because I don't think the way that Liverpool play would suit him as well as um, the way Chelsea probably will play because they've got um is it Zayek, is that how you say it? That yeah. brilliant winger from Ajax who uh will also the fact you've got at Liverpool you've got Mane and Sauer who were nailed onto every team sheet. So then you're up against um trying to get in front of Firmino. Uh, and and Origi's done lots of decent things off the bench for them. So I'm sure he could probably try and fit in above Origi, but would he do everything that Firmino does? Would he work in that system as well as, say, Chelsea are going to say, look, you just go and try and score a bag load of goals for us. Your competition for the, the main centre-forward spot is Tammy Abraham, um, who he might end up playing off really well or he might just end up playing on his own. Um, I, I can see why. Also, then you've got London versus the northwest it's you can see why somebody would would be attracted to london because there's so much more going on so i it's what's really worrying for me is that chelsea who appeared to have sort of died off seem to have one find a really good young manager um in one pad that obviously the fans love and he's done some decent things this season and now they're putting the money where the mouth is and really really backing him because they're, they're talking about going in for Chilwell as well i think mm. so it's like they've identified the weak spots in the team, is Hudson Adoy? Will he be the player that everybody wants? Uh, Pedro, has he sort of finished on that right wing? Well, Zayek's going to get that spot. And again, Tammy Abraham scored some decent goals this season. Not really anything against the big, the bigger clubs though. They've just identified weaknesses and really gone right. Let's just and it is the Chelsea way. It always was the Chelsea way to to have a big main player in every spot uh, mm. and. Werner appears to be someone as well who doesn't miss games through injury. He doesn't he's he's not one of those centre forwards who's plays plays three matches, misses three or four. He seems to be ever present in the team. I think it's a 
think it's a, a no-brainer. Brilliant, brilliant business by Chelsea. Mm, and he's 24 as well, so he's got age yeah. on his side. And it's probably worth pointing out that Chelsea's tra- track record with strikers hasn't exactly been brilliant. I mean, you think of the likes of Shevchenko and Torres, which they've bought. Shevchenko was a Ballon d'Or winner, for goodness sake, and it never yeah. really happened for them at Stamford Bridge. So I think it's worth caveating Werner's imminent arrival with that. They were both at the back end. It was towards the end, it was, yeah. Shevchenko had peaked, whereas somebody like Drogba hadn't peaked, and Costa Costa as well. So they've got as much... Don't get me wrong, I'm not a Chelsea fan by any stretch, but they've got... The the track record is is mixed, let's say. They've had some big successes and a couple of notable failures. Joe, like Alex, you're a Manchester United fan, so you'll have designs on a you know a surge up the table next season I, I don't know whether you want to kind of throw around the, the, the term title challenge but that's certainly Ooh. what people are saying about Chelsea um, if Manchester United can make some decent signings uh, this summer window they might be in with a, a chance of competing at the top end as well but your first game back in action as United fans comes on Friday uh, Friday evening against Tottenham Hotspur uh, up against the old gaffer Jose Mourinho how do you see that one going down? It's always a good one when we uh, play uh, Jose Mourinho sides. No matter w- what club he's been at, uh, United against Mourinho is always interesting. I see United giving it and I hopefully see Manchester United win. Something about Tottenham uh, this season hasn't really like sort of fitted too well. There's been some clunks. There's the, the sort of flow of getting their main man on, on the ball, Harry Kane, because obviously he's been injured for a bit and the, the team hasn't gelled as well since Pochettino left. But United team is very interesting because we go with a full strength squad for the first time in quite a long, long time. If it's been Popper's injury or, or Rashford and, you know, making, we had to get a Galo in from, from China. It's setting up an 11 now that I'd say Ollie would believe is his best starting 11 that he's got available and he hasn't been able to do that for quite a while he hasn't been able to look at a team sheet and go this 11 that I'm putting out here I'm extremely happy with it and it's the best 11 I've got and that's what should happen on Friday he should put out the best 11 he's got and I hope to see a bit of a maybe unique formation where Bruno uh, Fernandez, and Pogba might sit in in two different roles one might be a sort of deep lying midfielder uh, one might be an advanced playmaker really feeding to Rashford and to Martial Uh, I want to see what he's learned from these months of sort of you know going over tactics in his head um, because he hasn't really had that sort of one-on-one experience too much unless he's had these zoom calls so he's had time to really play about with stuff uh, get the guys in training and seeing what what they're good at and that full strength ability that he's got on Friday I really I'm, I'm really hopeful so hope can be a, a tricky thing because I can also uh, have that bit in the uh, back of my backside. But I hope to see a good United side giving it to Tottenham. Mm. If not, I would be gutted in a way because I kind of think, right, you've, the, your excuses are gone here. You've had yeah. a long time to get this set up. On, Joe. They've just had three or four months off with, you know, <laughs> unable to train and everything. I think it, it's a shame. Yeah, but so have Tottenham. Joe's got yeah, the pitchfork out. He doesn't care. No, no, no. <laughs> excuses are, no, because, no, because, no, no, no. I'm not saying you sack him. I'm going to say what excuse you're going to use now, though. What excuse you're going to use now? Oh, I didn't have time to get my tactics in order. Oh, I didn't have the best players. You've got everything. You've had three months of getting ready for this yeah. game. That is got you got. I want to win. I, I think it's a shame from a United point of view that 
the break came when it came because we just yeah, found a bit of form and Fernandez had come in. Even in his first game, we tried to make things happen and none of the other players really knew where to run for him. But then he got better and better game after game. And you'd think if you're a, a side facing United with Rashford, who's lightning quick, got great control, really good eye for goal. Same with Martial. Uh, and Fernandez in that team, you'd start to be a bit frightened. Mm. Then if you put Pogba in, you're kind of, and, and all this is coming from in, in waves. It's not like, you know, it's coming from the midfield. You'd think that's going to be very, very difficult for a lot of sides mm. to live with. I'm a little more pragmatic in the fact that I'm really pleased that we've sorted the defence out, which for about eight or nine years has been an absolute nightmare. So I don't think we could improve much on that. Um, as for the midfield, Fred's got to play because he's been player of the season for me this year. Fernandez has got to play. So it only really leaves one other spot unless he does something a bit different. And before the break, that was going to Matic because Matic was in superb form. And then McTominay mm -hmm. was the next one to come in and replace him. So he was just back off an injury. So I don't think Pogba will start because um, I, I just think it, it will be foolish, really, knowing you can bring him on as one of five subs later on in the game. Uh, and I, I always see any Mourinho side as just he'll try and pack the midfield, I think, and try and either hit us on the break or just, you know, just sort of grind out a, a nil nil, as yeah. depressing as that sounds. So can United break them down? And with Fernandez and then maybe Pogba in the last half hour, you'd have to hope yes. Mm, well, you have to remember as well purely from a fitness and injury perspective the break's been a blessing in disguise for Spurs who will have Bergvine, Son Heung-min and Harry Kane all fit and raring to go so it's not going to be yeah. the Spurs that we saw before lockdown began so I think it's worth bearing that in mind well we'll have more preview and build up to Manchester United's game against Tottenham Hotspur which takes place tomorrow on tomorrow's podcast because every single day between now and the end of the season we'll be bringing a brand new show out for you this is Football Social Daily the only daily Premier League podcast that will do that don't forget to check out our new website as well we've got a brand new website relaunched Woo! Premier League season relaunched website sport-social.co.uk loads of audio updates there for every single team in the Premier League match previews ahead of each game of the restart and match reviews too that will be on the website so go and check it out see what you think let us know uh, and also check out our YouTube channel as well as uh, some of the podcasts throughout this period will be put on YouTube for your viewing entertainment and you can finally see what our ugly mugs actually look like but that's it for today's show I want to say a big thanks to Joe and to Alex thanks for coming on Thank the show. You. Yeah, loved it. And uh, hopefully loved we'll have you guys it. back on. Good luck for Manchester United on uh, Friday night. Sorry for any Spurs fans listening, yeah, but uh, I'll get in trouble if I don't say that with these two around. That's it for today's podcast. We'll speak to you again tomorrow. Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Kebabs done right and delivered right to you via Uber Eats and Deliveroo. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chum. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.